production company. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to see you here in the studio. We thank you for coming. Uh, most everyone in the studio has come from a long distance to be here, and we don't take that for granted. So thank you so much for being here with us. We salute each and every one of you that's joining us from your living rooms, your automobiles, your kitchens, wherever it is you might find yourself uh, on this Sunday morning. We thank God for the time that you're giving us to speak something into your life. And as I said on Facebook uh, earlier in the week, God has given me something to say. And I want to say it. The left may not like it. Shoot, some of the people on the right may not like it. Some people in the church may not like it. Um, you may not like it. But it's what God gave me to say. And I'm responsible to God to deliver the message he places on my heart to speak to you. Because we are definitely in the end times. I know we've been talking about this for a long time. For the entirety of my life, we've been in the end times. And we are in the end times now. But the end of the end times is a whole lot closer than many people are ready to accept. And I just want to impart something into your spirit today from the, I guess you can call it a title, Wake Up Church, America Needs You. Wake Up Church, America Needs You. This nation needs the church. This nation is tearing itself apart. This nation, which was founded upon the principles of the word of God, has shifted and now stands upon the power of hate. Now we understand that the power of hate does not eclipse the power of love, but right now in our culture, in our nation, hate is the predominant uh, force that we're dealing with. And all of the side shoots that come from hate, bitterness and uh, backbiting and rumors and um, deceit, all these things that are born out of this. What we're seeing is the introduction of the spirit of Hamas, not just in Israel with the uh, terrorist uh, government that's there um, in, in Gaza that Israel is fighting, but the actual power behind that, the evil that exists behind that. And I want to talk to you about that today. A lot of people in the church aren't talking about this, especially in the black church. In, in, in our culture, we're still talking about houses, cars, lands, and suits, nice dresses, and having a whole bunch of money in our pocket. And while I don't um, deny that God does want to bless his people, the reality is, is not everyone that claims the name of Jesus Christ is going to live in a mansion on the hill. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come render his life so that we can just live fat here, especially when this is all temporal. The goal of God is to restore us in relationship to him that we might live with him eternally in a city built specifically for us. And I want to talk to you today just about that. So I ask that you sit attentively, get your pens and papers ready, take some notes, Go back over this. Understand where we are in the history of the church and what is right before us, what is getting ready to eclipse us that I believe will happen within my lifetime. 
Now, I'm not telling you that God said it's going to happen in my lifetime. I'm just telling you from my understanding of Scripture, the things that I've seen, the things that I've heard, um, my study, my own, you know, prayer time. I believe that I will see the calling home of the church, the capturing up of the body of Christ, the removal of God's grace from the earth, and the establishment of the Antichrist will come right after that. And I believe that the Antichrist is actually alive and waiting for the moment when the church is removed. The Holy Spirit, the restraining force that's preventing his introduction, when that is removed, and I believe it's going to be removed very soon, the world is going to be a different place. And there are going to be um, judgments poured out on the earth. And there's going to be hell on earth, a time like no man has ever seen, worse than any atrocities we can even uh, begin to imagine, is what's coming. This is our last opportunity to get ourselves together and right before the Lord. And the wonderful thing is, is that God does not um, make it so you have to do something to get yourself right. He said, I will do everything necessary for you to get right. All you have to do is believe in it, stand on it, live it out loud in your life. This is what you have to do. He justifies you. He cleans you. He makes you whole. He establishes you. He writes your name in the book of life. It is his work that he has completed in and through you that offers you the opportunity to live with him forever. The church needs to wake up because America right now needs the church. A subtopic for today, um, and you can kind of base everything that I'm going to say off of these two premises, Savior and Judge. Savior and Judge. And I believe that we have missed a great opportunity uh, in the body of Christ to preach the fullness of Jesus. The church for decades, for a long time, has been only preaching one aspect of Jesus Christ, one part of Jesus. We talk about him being our savior, and he is our savior, but we've shied away from preaching Jesus as a coming judge. In the book of Matthew, in the 24th chapter, which will be one of the scriptures I will use today as a foundational text, when Jesus was asked about his return, he gave a very detailed answer, which upon reflection, uh, you know, presents us with a very unique enigma. Jesus starts out saying in verse 4 and verse 5 that many imposters will appear and goes on later to describe a very dangerous time filled with great sorrow in the earth as wars and rumors of war will rule where nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom in world war ii korea vietnam when nation rose against nation we knew exactly where the enemy was and who the enemy was. 
But with the current climate of things, with the worldwide emergence of radical Islam, national borders have been rendered meaningless. In fact, we've transitioned to a more kingdom against kingdom scenario. And this means that terrorist cells, warriors from one kingdom, can exist right next door to you. In fact, uh, the current director of the FBI just gave a briefing here this past week to the Congress advising them of the danger that America sits in right now with the enactment of open borders, which has allowed thousands of uh, terrorists, known terrorists, to enter this nation and no one knows where they are. You see, our enemy is no longer just on some distant shore, but our enemy physically can be right next door in your very neighborhood. Every founding father of this great nation would turn over in their grave upon the realization that the freedom of religion foundational to the tenets of our constitution have been perverted into freedom for those whose doctrine supports a movement determined to take over the world through murder and mayhem. In my understanding of the creation of this nation, According to what I've been taught and the ruling principles by which this nation was framed to our forefathers, freedom of religion was about freedom to worship Christ, not worship demons. Subverting the Constitution by accepting Sharia law anywhere in America would not be supportive of what our forefathers intended. And it would have sent previous generations into war themselves to protect the tenets of our Constitution. The magnitude of this kind of betrayal is really beyond the conception of previous generations, but now looms as a prominent plausibility. But what does Jesus have to say? Jesus goes on in Matthew 24 to say that offense and betrayal and animosity would rule. Then many false prophets would rise. Deception would grow dramatically. And lawlessness, lawlessness would not just be in remote places, but it would be everywhere. Now, verses 12 and 24 presents the enigma because when lawlessness abounds, the chief issue becomes injustice at every level. Now, I want you to hold on to that word injustice for a moment. But even in such injustice, the victorious declaration that is quoted in verse 14 rings out in stark contrast to what is being declared in previous statements and descriptions. It says this, Matthew 24, 12 through 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, this is verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. 
Now, the picture presented here is a very hostile environment in which a variety of different groups would like to kill the messengers, the messengers of the kingdom, but the messengers cannot be stopped. As a matter of fact, if you're in your house with somebody, you ought to look over at them and ask them, are you a messenger? The message of the return of Jesus Christ will be preached in spite of all resistance, in spite of every effort that's exhausted to stop it. Now, this passage really uh, imparts an absolute air of victory. Verse 14 is powerful in his declaration and is staunchly different from the descriptions of what transpires which precede the 14th verse. Because in the midst of great injustice against the agents of Christ, when this arises with an immutable voice, the anointing that enabled Jesus to walk through a crowd that was trying to kill him, trying to throw him off a cliff, that anointing, that power, that immutability will be, it'll belong to the messengers. So are we ready to follow pioneers like Mordecai Ham? I know some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, who in the world is Mordecai Ham? Well, he was an American independent Baptist evangelist and possesses the fullness of Christ. In Revelations 22 and 11, we are told, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Now, this is where you need to start taking notes because the Greek word that's translated unjust is used as a word or defined as a word with the meaning to hurt, to damage, to harm, and it indicates a consistency of criminality. So unjust is then a good description because it describes a panorama of activity which nearly takes all justice from the earth. I know that in our culture, we've been screaming for justice for years only to find ourselves coming up short in the system of justice for man. Now, the Greek word translated filthy, it means and it is defined as a... Uh, uh, constantly um, being morally impure, soiled, or permanently stained. It's the stain that tide can't get out. The Greek word righteous is uh, defined as a word that means virtuous, to keep the divine law of God, to conform to the will of God, to embrace his biblical or his word standard. Holy is another Greek word that uh, means to be separate from defilement by embracing moral purity and to uh, represent the God who is righteousness. God is not righteous. He is what righteousness is. 
still means the crystallization and development of character until one uh, person perfectly reflects the God, big G, or even the little G God that they've chosen to serve. Because to whom you render your instruments, your bodily parts as servants, is who you serve regardless of what you decree from your mouth. There are many that declare they serve God, but their instruments are used as instruments of unrighteousness and therefore speak louder than their words in the representation that they serve not the God of righteousness, but the God of unrighteousness. Now, those who refuse Christ will increasingly reflect the demons that they serve. Those who accept Jesus will increasingly reflect Jesus as their savior and as their judge. We cannot remove judgment from the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, scripture tells us that judgment starts first in the house of God. Now, Revelation specifically reaffirms what we find Jesus speaking in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew. And if you're wondering where Matthew is, that is the first book of the New Testament. But what is being declared is that justice will increasingly disappear from the earth so that the only source for justice can come out of God's throne demonstrated in and through our relationship with God and the ability to bring his hand upon any given situation. All I do, I do for the glory of God and in the power of who he is, for it is he that is alive in me and not me myself. Now the days are approaching when the only justice available is what the church can bring through prayer and prophetic proclamation. A church that cannot move the hand of God in justice is a church that cannot stand to preach the gospel as a witness against every nation. There are issues that transcend eschatology. Whether you have a dispensational view of uh, the end times and you believe, as I do, the rapture, the catching away of the people of God, the bride of Christ, to meet him in the air, is imminent where there will actually be three reunions that will be demonstrated in the process of the capturing away or what we have coined the rapture. There'll be three unions that take place, three reunions that take place. First, those that have died in Christ, their spirits will be reunited with their physical body. That physical body will go through a metamorphosis and it will become the redeemed body, the raptured body, the resurrected body. It will be the body that was demonstrated by Christ when he arose from the grave. That spirit and body will be rejoined. That's reunion number one. Reunion number two. The Bible declares that we that are yet alive will be reunited with those that have died before the time in the air. 
That's reunion number two. Those that are in the body of Christ that have died, you will meet them and be reunited with them in the air. And the third reunion that takes place is the reunion of the dead in Christ and those of us that yet live meeting Jesus in the air. And the Bible declares that we shall forever be with him. What a mighty process of reunification of the body with its head. Believe uh, as I believe that the rapture is imminent. But whether you believe it does not uh, you know, happen uh, now, but happens uh, at the end of the tribulation, or whether you believe revelation has already been completed. I'm here to tell you that justice is the end time issue. Justice is what we're dealing with. You see, the witness for the gospel must include both salvation and justice. Priests minister salvation. Kings minister justice. Matthew uh, chapters 24 and 25 make it very clear that the price that the church has to pay to witness in the midst of this great persecution is grave. The end time church, and if you don't recognize it, you're blind. You are in the end time church. The end time church must stand and give a witness for the Lord in the middle of an ever-growing, perverse, and degenerate culture where justice is not available except through a relationship with God and by manifestation of Holy Ghost. Any prudent believer should be doing everything possible to prepare for the season that we are in by depositing themselves in a place of learning where they can garner the knowledge of God's justice and how to bring that justice into manifestation in any and every given situation. You see, a leadership generation which refuses to train its sons and daughters in how to birth and manifest the justice of God is offering to them destruction by refusing to prepare them for what they will need to finish their race. I've often said that too many of the generals of our faith have died before they were ever able to impart to us the, the, the necessity uh, of our lasting standing here in the earth. Understand this. The Jesus of Revelation judges and makes war. And unless we partner with him in judging and making war, we are actually working against him by enabling the enemy of our faith to continue destroying through ungodly vessels who, like Herod, need to be cut off. You see, Jesus bought and paid for justice. He made justice accessible and to not... Uh, pursue it with our, our whole heart and, and our whole mind and our whole spirit would be spiritually immature of us 
Let me get back to one of the champions of the faith that I introduced to you only moments ago, Mordecai Ham, that great Baptist evangelist. He understood covenant justice. The question that I have is how did we lose it? How did we lose this covenant justice? You see, the God of justice wants to demonstrate who he is in the earth long before Jesus physically returns. Now, we've missed a major key to the Jewish harvest, demonstrating the kingly justice of the Messiah instead of preaching the priestly compassion of the Savior will reveal to Israel the Messiah that they have been seeking after. When, when the Jews see the Jesus of justice, I believe that it will catapult them into the kingdom of God. You see, they've been looking for this type of Jesus for several thousand years. And it's time that we prepare a generation for the ultimate harvest that is waning and introduce that harvest to both the Jesus we know as Savior and the Jesus that they are looking for as judge. You see, the Jesus of Mordecai Ham needs to be introduced in America. And until we raise a generation to represent Jesus the judge, we have not fulfilled our mission. Grace does not remove the judgeship of Jesus Christ. Jesus, according to his word, has made us kings through uh, him. And through tradition, through culture, especially here in America, we forfeited the authority of that very crown. The power of the cross undergirds the end time promise that enables the church to access our covenantal justice. The cross has a right half and a left half, each supporting an arm of Christ which signifies both the priestly and kingly ministries of Jesus. Jesus bought and paid for justice as outlined in his word. Check the text, Colossians, the first chapter, the 19th through the 23rd verse, where it declares, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, irreproachable in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, 
gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which Paul or which I Paul became a minister what a powerful scripture you see in preparing to be an agent of God's justice it demands that we fully accept the sacrifice of Christ for us in every dimension and in our conscience we must be before him blameless and irreproachable that has to be more than a head knowledge it has to be a heart reality it cannot just be something we know but it has to be something we both know and feel and experience when the left half of the cross becomes heart reality then is when the church can enter into the resurrected ascended judicial victory that's uh, at the right hand of the cross that's described for us in Colossians the second chapter the 8th through the 10th verse where it declares beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power understand people of God and even those of you that have been uh, encouraged by the spirit to listen but have yet to make that declaration and step out in faith to commit your life to Jesus philosophy tradition and the principles of the world all unite to steal from you a revelation of what righteousness is for the believer only a revelation of God's word will empower and enable you to access divine justice verse 9 is readily uh, accepted this in its practicality and, and is demonstrated in all schools of theology but the application of it is hard to accept Real believers all agree that in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is an accepted tenet of our faith. But when you move to verse 10, verse 10 is based on a reality of verse 9. Verse 10 is the reality of the knowledge that is released in verse 9. If in, you know, in fact we believe that Jesus represents the fullness of the Godhead bodily, then we are stuck with the fact that we are full then in him. Now in the Greek, verse 9 says, for in him dwells all the pleroma. It, it dwells all of the pleroma of the Godhead. And verse 10 says, and we are play role in him we are the manifestation of the knowledge that is dwelled in him 
who is the head of all principality and power. So in essence, people of God, we are the verb. We are the agents of action doing what needs to be done to demonstrate the fullness that is richly in him. It is only when the left half of the cross becomes reality that the church can step up into the right half of authority and actually do what scripture promises such as things in Ephesians 3, 10 through 12 which tells us to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him you see God's purpose for every believer is that through our relationship with him we will demonstrate we will teach or we will instruct and make manifest the fact that the principalities and powers no longer rule. God rules. And the byproduct of this judicial conflict is judgment. Now, there's no greater way for this conflict of good and evil to play out than the justice of God being manifested through the church. I've spent some time studying the theological work of Mordecai Ham, and I have found that he had this revelation centuries ago. And at times, he faced down stubborn oppressors of the gospel, declaring that he would pray to God to either convert them or kill them. This evangelist recalls with great reluctance that deaths took place during many of his uh, great campaigns. Ambulances would have uh, come to carry bodies away from their services. Many people that openly fought a ham at meetings met with some form of violent death soon after. And it is time that we realize that God has a purpose for the end time church and the purpose demands that we become agents of justice. You have been deputized. You, be, you have been authorized. You have been anointed. You have been appointed to bring justice into every place that you place your feet to tread when the depth of the hate that we are seeing against the Jewish people Christians must understand it's not just the Jews that they hate but you are next on the hate agenda list we are already seeing the inroads that are laid in media, in entertainment, and in politics. The great commission that we have received should empower us just as Joshua was, what was told that every place his foot would tread, God had given it to him. When I enter a home in my secular authority, I enter with the attitude that as long as I am here, Whatever rules existed before my entrance, whatever access was allowed prior to my entrance has all come to a halt because now I am the one that makes the rules. I am the one that sets the standard for what is to take place while I am yet here. I enter a home to restore order and to grant justice in the face of chaos and injustice. I am 
the calm that quiets the storm. The book of Ephesians outlines for the New Testament church that every place our foot treads, we can bring the justice of God. And it is time to train our generation in that very reality and ultimate divine purpose. There will rise a church without spot and wrinkle, without blemish, a victorious church who fully represents the Lord Jesus, dispensing both life and death according to what the culture requires Joel 2 and 23 says that the Lord gave the former rain moderately but the Hebrew word means according to what the ground required the enemies of the cross today are so demonized that they are worthy of the full measure of God's justice Proclaiming and decreeing it is an honor and a privilege given to the believer. This honor, the Bible declares, have all his saints. Psalm 149 and 9, check the text. In today's culture, Mordecai Ham would be very busy. We as the current New Testament church, therefore need to get very busy doing the things that God has caused us to do. Too much has transpired. Too much is going on in our culture. People of God, we have to understand that we are in a time and in a nation. We are in a place where the power of the enemy is being demonstrated and poured out because he understands that his time is short. As every day passes, we're seeing more and more devastation, more and more destruction, more and more spirit of Hamas. Hamas meaning violence, but violence at a decree such as you've never seen before. Where it even affects our political leaders who then become afraid to take a stand upon the founding justice of this nation born in the power of God's word. Afraid of what might happen. Rather than being the deterrent, we've become the power that allows our enemies to do as they choose to do. People of God, when you look at scripture, you'll find that in the end time, America, this great and powerful nation, is not mentioned much. How that is played out, I am not quite sure. But I understand it does not have the impact in end time prophecy as one might think when you correlate what we think we are today what we have been in the past to the world in this, as they call, great experiment of democracy, something happens to this nation. People of God, I'm here to tell you that when a nation turns its back on God, God turns his back on that nation. Think not for a second. Look throughout the annals of human history and you will find that every great and conquering nation that comes up against God loses. I don't know what's going to happen to America. 
But I know that America is about to explode. There are things that are going on that our political leaders and governmental officials will not tell you. There are things that, and there's information and there's uh, uh, witness reports and uh, there's all kinds of things that are being done behind the scenes that they won't tell you because they don't think that you can handle it. They keep it from you because they recognize that if this information were to get out, chaos would be uncontrollable. So they try to control the narrative. They play word games and they, they, they build a false sense of hope and uh, confidence in a nation that if it does not get itself together, may not be a nation much longer. People of God, much is going to happen. The Bible declares that at one point in one day, God is going to release an angel who will destroy in one day a third of the humans on the earth. The Bible declares that a third of the stars in heaven will fall and scorch the earth. Is this what is waiting for this nation because this nation has turned its back upon the word of God? And what's worse the Bible declares and God watches his word that those who bless Israel, those who bless the Jews will be blessed. But those who curse the Jews, those who seek to destroy the Jews, they too will be cursed. How can we as a nation declare that we are the greatest ally of Israel yet not support them as we should. It is time for the church in America to wake up, get out of its slumber because the end draws nigh. And if you want to be with Jesus, you must recognize who you are supposed to be in the power of his truth and his truth alone. People of God, See what is going on. Pay attention to what is happening. Pay attention. Because these are the warning signs that Jesus said to look for. And he said, when you see them, look up. Because your redemption draws nigh. It's time to go home to be with the Lord. Do not be one here that is left seeking justice in a world that will never provide you the justice you seek. The only justice that you can find is in God and in God alone. I hope that this word shakens you, wakes up in you the spirit of God that great restrainer that is in the earth and you begin to focus on getting yourself together and right in the sight of the Lord and that is manifest in the knowledge and in your heart
the very things of God that you would die to yourself and live under Christ. God bless you. You have an awesome Sunday. And know that I love you and I'm praying for you. And God is calling for you. Hallelujah. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.